tracks, babe. I want. Ah! Oh, there we go. <laughs> That's one way to check a mic. <laughs> Could you imagine if that was like the industry standard for checking a mic? <laughs> Just get your, get your mouth really close to the mic uh, and scream like a man. Uh, <laughs> Um, so this is episode five. This is, we're officially in the fives now. We're in the fives. Check baby, check baby one. (laughs) Check baby, check baby Baby one. one. It's called the rope shaker. I am excited we're on episode five. Um, this is going to be a very heartfelt episode. I think. I would like for it to be a very heartfelt episode. It's a tribute episode. It's a memorial episode, I would say, you know? Uh, because yeah. we're honoring someone who we love um, close to the the date that they sadly were taken from us, you know. And that person is Jonathan Brandis. Wonderfully talented, soulful, sensitive child actor from our childhood who um, sadly committed suicide in 2003 at the age of 27. Just super, super. I'm like excited and overwhelmed about this episode because was it the last episode where you were talking about how puberty for us felt like an eternity because it's such a yes you know it's such a juicy time I guess like emotionally and everything like um I feel like the ages of like 9 to 11 were like that for me because I got my period very early I got my period when I was 9 like going on 10 um, so that age is like really potent for me. And during that age, that's when I discovered Janet. And that's around the time that I really got into Jonathan Brandis. And I feel like it's it was really Janet Jackson and Jonathan Brandis. Those were like the two pillars of my life culturally. I had them both like just plastering my walls in my bedroom. It was really the two yeah. of them. Um, and he was someone I had a crush on, but he was also... I was, you know, I was really, I wanted to be an actor and and he was so good and I just, I loved watching him and I don't know, there's there's a lot that I can say about him, but I'll leave it at that for now. Um, so he's really important to me and I'm really excited to talk about him. And I'm excited to be here to talk about him with you. I, it's interesting, <laughs> as I was preparing for today, it really was challenging to think back to like, oh, like what are the things I grew up? watching him in mm-hmm. and then i realized for me it wasn't really a connection to his artistry it was more connection to his celebrity yeah um like he was definitely an icon in my mind and you know beacon of male teen hotness um <laughs> but it wasn't but i wasn't connecting with him based on like roles he was in it was more just like you know as we've talked about before lining pages of tiger beat and then lining my wall Yeah. And come to think of it, I probably, you know, like 10 year old shallowness, I probably discovered him in Bop or Big Bopper or whatever. God, God. there's a there. I don't know if it's still there, but do you know, um, you might not because like it's 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 way closer to me than it than it is to where you grew up. But um, on Nostrand between like W and X is like this little strip molly kind of. 
it was a hot spot of my childhood. My mom was like always going there because like Citibank was there and that was her bank of choice, yada, yada, yada. Um, but there was also a little like deli right there. And that was, I guess, the nearest place that carried Bob and Big Bopper and Tiger Beat and Teen Beat and like all that. Shit. I, I just need to stop. Every time you say Bop and Big Bopper, I'm like, I didn't realize those were two different things. Yeah. Like what like what what like why were there they why was might there a bop have been and like a big a, bopper? I know. And you know what's funny <laughs> is like I feel like so <laughs> we're gonna have to talk about this for a long time, but like Bop and Big Bopper were my main periodicals <laughs> of choice. And wow. I feel like and I feel like I'm not sure those were like the mainstream ones. I feel like Tiger Beat and Teen Beat were like the ones, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I was a t- yeah, I was a Tiger Beat queen. But I also feel like I discovered, but but I also feel like I discovered Tiger Beat late because honestly, I was I like to think I was the more highbrow than all of that, you know. So like I was actually, I was actually like you Mike know, YM. <laughs> I was like YM. Oh 17, YM. Oh, you were sassy. like that's like. I was trying to do official magazines, and you I was were having them shipped to, like, to do my quizzes. house. You were trying to get like beauty tips. You were not yes, just I looking was, exactly. at the male centerfolds of the day. I okay. w- exactly. I was trying to get my to get fashion educated. on. I was trying to show up with like the latest fashions from Contempo Casuals. I had <laughs> dreams. Like as a matter of fact, like getting the September issue of Seventeen was like a religious experience. Like because it was always wow. going to have like the the fall fashions, like oh, lots yeah. of like tans and browns and maroons mm. and mahoganies mm. and sweaters and, mm. ugh, and then you know punctuated by like a hugo boss like thing that you could smell and inhale male hotness you know anyway so i discovered then then it was like oh if you just really are if you're really peak puberty Burning really just horny and young right right that's you just gotta go to straight for tiger beat because it's a fuck all the fluff it's not like fashion boy Get it straight fashion. into your veins it's just boy 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 yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it was just yeah. intravenous puberty <laughs> <laughs> shooting it up hardcore absolutely yeah. it was um god it was i mean it was just a sea of white boys mostly it was like Eddie Furlong yeah. and Jonathan Taylor Thomas and and Zachary Ty Bryant who Zachary you saw me Ty- mention a couple <laughs> months ago because now he's a fucking abuser. Fuck you. Fuck you, Zachary Ty Bryant. You weren't even that cute JTB. anyway. Okay. JTB. JTT was way better than you always, especially as an actor. So go fuck yourself. Oh, I meant J. I keep saying J and I mean Z. ZTB. Fuck you. That's what I meant. ZTB. I mean, you were so lame. You didn't even have you, you didn't even have an acronym. Like I just made that up. Nobody Nuh-uh. called you ZTV. Nah. <laughs> JTT was the breakout star of home improvement. Um but Jonathan Jackson was the breakout star of my heart. Well, Jonathan Jackson. So like I feel like Jonathan Jackson was like my so if Jonathan Brandis was like the MVP. You know, I don't know what the rung under an MVP is because I don't know sports and I don't know why I went down a sports analogy road. But <laughs> I cannot help you. I'm also- okay. If if if, if Jonathan Brandis was the president of my heart, then Jonathan Jackson was like VP. He was the oh. Kamala Harris of my heart. Kamala oh, Harris that. of my heart. Excuse me. I love me. that. Um, yeah, JTT and and JB. Jonathan Jackson was. I mean, Oof. you already know he was. He was my president and they both i feel like they both were like quote 
pretty boys, but they both ultimately had a lot of sensitivity and intensity. Would you agree with that? Especially Jonathan Jackson in, like, The Deep End of the Ocean. Like, that shit fucked me the fuck up. Oh, yeah. See, no. But actually, with both of them, we'll get... Well, this is so dismissive. No, I mean, so, like, I... So, A, I have a whole thing about Jonathan Jackson that's mostly in the general hospital universe. Okay. So okay. that's that's okay. where that that's where that's like mostly anchored. But um <laughs> but um really I mean I'm gonna throw another name in the mix, Devin Sawa. <gasps> yes. Like literally all three of them. Yes. And now I can confirm this because I watched Jonathan Brandis and some of his later works yesterday. All three of them. Like as I got older, it's like, you bore me. But like when they're younger, that's when I'm most captivated by them. Like I, I watched Jonathan Brandis in The NeverEnding Story 2, mm-hmm. Piercing Blue Eyes, Ugh. doing all the things. Ugh. Watched him in Bad Girls from Valley High. Well, to be fair, that movie Ten years was later, pure and I was insanity. Like, no. And I, and like, I no. honestly, like, when I was... So you and I were texting. <laughs> we found this complete trash movie of his from very late in his career. That was a total shit show. And I feel like we should do an entire episode devoted to it because it's so insane and there's so many like people from different it's like a fandom collision for us um and it's (laughs) just pure insanity like what the fuck is this movie um and i feel like i don't want to tarnish this beautiful memorial by talking about it too much but so i was texting you as i was watching this train wreck and after you and i stopped texting i started to realize as i was watching every scene with him I was like, oh, my God, he's so bored. Like, I, I'm like, <laughs> he just no. he hates this movie. He resents that he's in it. Yes. He's not giving it anything. Yes. He's not giving it any fucking So that thing. was what fucked with me because, you know, I was reading that um, in the years or months, you know, leading up to his um, death, you know, he was expressing to family and friends that he was, you know, um, in a really low place about his career mm. And things like that. And so then watching that film yesterday, I was like, this is part of what probably was painful for you. Absolutely. Like, this film that was like atrocious, guys. It's so atrocious. I mean, and he and he didn't I mean, thankfully he really didn't have lines, so he didn't really have to give much of anything to it. Um, right. But what's interesting about that is that and what makes me sad, it's I mean, it's like one of many things that makes me sad about the fact that he's no longer with us, but Two of the other main actors in that film are Julie Benz, who went on to do Dexter just a few years later, and Aaron Paul, who went on to do Breaking Bad just a few years later. I feel like uh, it's hard because I think that when you're a child actor who has such wild success that young, I feel like you just can't process the lows the natural lows of an acting career in the same way you know what I mean and I feel like he must have I don't and I certainly don't want to attribute his death to only that I'm sure he had other demons he was battling um we don't know but um I don't know it's it's got to be really hard I I mean I, I look at um I look at even like pop culture icons who like musicians like Britney Spears, who became wildly successful at a really, really young age. And how just what do you do? I don't know when you when you're too young, when you achieve that level of success that young, it's it's just got to be hard to process 
anything other than that level of success because that's what you're accustomed to and that's how you learn your career should look you know mm-hmm. and when it doesn't look that way which it will like <laughs> most of the time it will um I, I i just have to think it's it's a really like the learning curve has to be really steep just figuring out how to cope when it doesn't look like that and he was so young when he started doing you know like bi- relatively big hollywood films you know now that we're talking about this <laughs> i do feel like um I think you and I both, um, especially you, have a, would you call it a morbid fascination with, like, troubled Hollywood stars, particularly, like, child actors? Yeah, I definitely have a thing. Like, if there was a television, if there was a TV channel that was just, like, documentary after documentary of, like, celebrities whose lives ended early due to, like, demons and drugs like I would watch that all day long. So would I. It's uh, what is that? God, if if you're like us and you're really um obviously so god there's there's so much there but uh one of the many issues there is that and and that's been coming to light more and more and more is that there is definitely this history of pedophilia um in Hollywood. There's this uh you can find it on YouTube. There's this documentary called an open secret that's specifically about that it came out a few years ago and um it focuses mainly on i think actors in the 90s but also actors who were coming up in the early aughts child actors um who whose careers stopped cold because they experienced this and were not willing to be quiet about it is he one of them no they don't want to imply anything, you know, without someone's consent, I think. So they don't mention people by name who aren't featured in the film, like speaking about their own experiences. But they do show footage from the 90s and talk about these parties where adults were present and children were present. Um, and I don't. I can't recall if his image is in it, but it's just you think about that time and you think about, okay, like any single child actor at that time could have probably and probably was exposed to that at some point, whether or not anything happened to them, who the hell knows. But um, that threat was very much there a lot of the time. And I think um, Macaulay Culkin has spoken pretty openly about it. Obviously, um, Corey Feldman um, is sort Uh of on a crusade about it. Corey Haim also no longer with us and uh elijah wood spoke briefly about it and he was he said briefly he was like you know i i was never a part of any of that because i had a mother who was like super super on top of me and involved and she was like she never let me into an environment where like there were strange adults around and she wasn't Uh there you know Uh but that's not the case with most of these people and there are and again not to go too deeply into this but um there are there are a lot of child actors whose parents urge them into it, you know, as a uh-huh. way to make money off of them. And uh-huh. um, so there isn't a hell of a lot of <laughs> priority placed on that child's safety. You know, it's more like them getting ahead is more important. So they could like basically make bank off of them. It's like really it's so deeply yeah. fucked up. Um, there's a lot of dark stuff there. And again, I'm not implying that anything happened to him because, again, we're never going to know. Probably. But 
it's it's dark to sort of be in that world at such a young age, I think, even if that doesn't happen to you. Um, highly recommend that documentary, but it is it is a very difficult watch. I had to stop it. Like it's it's short. It's it's less than I think it's like seventy five minutes or something. I had to stop it like several times. I was just like, I need to take this in like very small doses. Mm. Um, well, let's lighten the mood a little bit. Why do you? <laughs> yes, please. Why do you like JB? Why do you like JB? Why, why oh do you lo- love JB? I mean, the piercing like icy blue stare. His eyes were so intense, and I just feel like his eyes are so expressive and. Every performance, with the exception of Bad Girls from Valley High, every performance is just, he's so captivating and you just instantly care about him. Did you watch Sequest ESV? I sure did. Somewhat against my will, like begrudgingly. Um, (laughs) I was super, super into him when that was about to come out. And I remember it was the kind of thing where... Much like with the Janet albums spaced out over, like, you know, how every four years she would drop an album. Uh, there was a lot of anticipation involved. Even though I had no interest in seeing a show like that, I just knew he was on it. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to be in my living room all the time. That's exciting because he's only ever really done films uh, up until now. And I would have to go down to the video store to, like, rent a VHS if I wanted to see him. But, uh, yeah, I watched it and it bored me to tears <laughs> because... <laughs> Because I had no interest in watching it. And um, I also remember, so he was he, he was used, in my opinion, too sparingly. Like, if it were up to me, the show would be, like, fully about him and, like, not about, you know, sea exploration or whatever oh the fuck it was God. about. Um, what's what up? If, what if he had been cast as Dawson? You mean, would, have, would, he have been, would he have been too like, old for that at that point? I'm trying to, like, timeline He would have been... It. 1999. He would have been... No, uh, 14 plus 8. Who'd have been 22? Oh, that would have totally been feasible. Slightly out of range. I mean, in 2000, he was still playing a high schooler in the big bad, Oh, my whatever, God. Big, yeah, and so girls, was Julie whatever. Benz, who looked like she was 35. <laughs> it was complete, like, completely nonsensical. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Williamson, you missed something there. It could have yeah. been totally captivating television. Oh, my God. To make what, what Jonathan Brandis a Dawson. Then, I mean, the then, thing, then I'm like, with you, guys. Then I'm, then I'm with you, Dawson. Then I am with you. I you know? know. And I feel like so, I mean, we'll talk about like Jonathan Brandis' work a little more in a little bit. But he's as much as he was a heartthrob, there was also something like really sensitive about him and Hot. vulnerable, like really vulnerable. And in the movie, the movie sidekicks like really capitalized on that by making him like very like weak and fragile and like severe asthmatic and like kind of a, I don't know. There's there's also Bubble something like, very yeah like there's also something like kind of goofy about him. So I feel like he could he could ver- as beautiful beautiful as he was, I feel like he could very easily like play the sensitive you know, not outcast. Dawson was not an outcast, but you know emo artist and yeah i would have been so into that oh my god you know what i mean yeah i would have been into <sighs> pacey giving pacey a run for his money like giving dawson pacey made it, dawson made it so easy for money. pacey you know dawson he made it did. so easy he sure did and with his Jonathan stupid Brandis hair could have changed it all oh really single-handedly given us something to fight about god damn and then maybe we should we would have eventually seen jonathan brandis on pose and that just would have been mind-blowing hmm I would have, but however, I would have on pose, I would have liked to see him in the Evan Peters role as opposed to the James Vanderbeek role, which is 
what the hell is the character's name? I don't remember. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was but like, the I don't guy, know um, the Wall Street guy in the first season who has the oh, relationship with Angel. Angel, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like I like that, that guy. That would but, have been like, whoo. Yeah. Um, there's a scene. So Stephen King's It. Stephen King's It, a.k.a. the original adaptation of the book, was also a very pivotal thing for me. Discovered it when I was 10 or 11. Again, um, we didn't talk about this too much because we didn't do our Christopher Pike, Arl Stein app yet. But I was super into horror at that age. Just like super, super inhaling everything that was horror. Um, Loved a scary movie. Loved a scary book. Um, And Stephen King's It was everything. And he plays the original kid version of Bill Denbro. And I love Jaden Martell in the remake. Love Jaden Martell. But Jonathan Brandis is still the Bill Denbro of my heart. And the scene where he implores the rest of the Lucky Seven to join him in going after the demon clown to avenge the death of his brother is like... I'm in tears every time. May I play this beautiful scene? It's very brief. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think our listeners should be able to hear this. It's it's beautiful. And even though you can't see his icy blue <sighs> pain-filled eyes emoting, you can still hear it in his voice. And I think that it will bring you to tears. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. So just to catch you up on the synopsis, a demon clown has uh, killed his brother. <laughs> and so he is urging all of his closest friends to join him in going after the demon clown together. Are we ready? Help me. You killed my brother George, you bastard! Let's see you now. Let's see you now. It's scared of us, you know? I can feel that. I I swear to God, I can. I want to kill it. Help me. god i remember just seeing that scene and being like i want to be on that level as an actor and i feel things yeah yeah (sighs) did you watch never ending story two i'm sorry no that's that's exactly where i was going so we uh, aligned yes i watched it yesterday did you watch it recently no, I haven't seen it in a million years. And literally all I remember of that film is him being afraid to go off the diving board. Yes. And that's, that's I remember first, like five minutes. <laughs> and I remember the princess. What the hell is her name? The something princess. The bubba princess. The empress. The empress. Thank yeah. you. The childlike empress. Ch- empress. Ch- ch- childlike. Yes. Childlike, childlike empress. empress yes. Going bastion. Again. This is why I say for me, Jonathan Brandis meant more to me as like celebrity than like as any particular character. Because mm-hmm. like the Never Ending Story 2, I just felt 
I, in my own memory of it, and even yesterday watching it, I was mostly just annoyed it wasn't the old Bastion. Like, I was like, yeah. oh, you're just going to change Bastion? You just changed the actor. They changed the tray, you too, and that was real fucked up. Like, oh, I'm that's not about cool. that. That's Because the first okay. tray was fine. And um, I was just like, you can't just, you can't just do that. You know? I know. And I feel like they weren't that far apart in They time. were six years apart. Oh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. So I guess both of those child actors probably went through hella puberty and they were like, oh, guess we can't use them. But Bastion was so young in the first one. Let's go. Never ending story. He was quite young in the first one. Yeah. But I don't and know. Like, yeah. I guess I guess if he was over, if he was 10 or older, he would have been too old, though, because. Yeah. Jonathan Brandis was 14 in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Like his like not his character, but his actual human age. Right. And I think he looked pretty young for his age at that time. See, no, I thought he looked older. Older than 14? Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, I thought you're right. No, we're we're saying the same thing. I'm confused. He, he right. When I when I saw he was 14, I was surprised. I was like, "Okay, you look 10." Like He looks like a baby. Yeah. yeah. And in it, which so when was Never Ending Story 2? 90. Yeah, same, same year, the same, same year as it. And yeah. in it, he's playing like a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, cuz yeah, Barrett Oliver who played Oh yeah, he was he was 11 when the first one oh, came yeah. out. So he was he like was, 17. <laughs> he was 17. Yeah. He was like, sorry guys. Oh my God. But he was so cute too. Oh, the original. Anywho, but watched it and was similarly struck by Jonathan Brandis's piercing blue eyes. I was like, whoa, that's a lot. We are skipping Fall into Darkness. Oh, oh, we got some, yeah, we got some stuff to fill in. We got, we got lots of stuff to fill we in. We got lots of, of years to fill in. Fall into Darkness, which will lead me down my whole thing about how you could look at Jonathan Brandis and tell he would date someone like Tatiana Ali. Can we enumerate it? We're still trying to like articulate what it is about these white boys who... When you know, when you just know. You just know in your gut. He dated Brittany Murphy. I think I knew that. I think I I knew that. that. Yeah. And he dated Vanessa Shaw from Hocus Pocus fame. I think this is the same girl from Ladybugs. Yeah, this is the lead from Ladybugs. That makes sense because that means he just falls in love with his co-stars. You they know, dated IRL. I think that's pretty cute. I just rewatched Ladybugs this morning. Ladybugs is delightful. You will love that. It has its problems, particularly because Rodney Dangerfield is the lead. And so there's a lot of like, you know, objectification of women and inappropriate shit like that. Um, but for those of you who've never seen it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a fun romp. Uh, basically, uh, Rodney Dangerfield, uh, is trying to get a promotion at his company and his boss, uh, he sponsors, a a girl's soccer team and he wants the soccer team to do really well. So Rodney Dangerfield offers to coach it, even though he knows jack shit about soccer. And then the woman he's dating has a son, Jonathan Brandis, who he brings onto the team and dresses up as a girl to help him out on the team because he's a really good soccer player. And the other players on the team really suck. So it's basically Jonathan Brandis in drag for most of the film. Uh, playing- oh, yeah. Yeah. I gotta get inter- back into this. Yes. And um, rewatching it this morning, I obviously was watching it through a queer lens because I watch everything through a queer lens. And what's interesting about this film is that so you just mentioned Vanessa Shaw. She plays his love interest in the movie. um, And she's sort of this Barbie-esque kind of character. Um, 
And they don't really, they go to the same school before he starts uh, going in drag on the soccer team. She's on the soccer team too, of course, um, conveniently. And uh, it's really the only reason he agrees to be a part of it and like help the soccer team out because he sees that she's on the team and he's like, oh yeah, I want to be close to her. Um, So he's in drag as they get to know each other better. And there's definitely something there, like while he's in drag, you know? Like, she's into him as Martha before she he reveals that he's actually a boy just with a terrible way. Vanessa Shaw is into his female yep. personification. Yep. Oh, yeah, okay. literally, which, like, I, I totally forgot. And it's, I mean, it's kind of, I guess it's subtle, but, like, I was picking up on it. Like, she come, she shows up at at her house. And when I say her right now, I'm referring to Jonathan Brandis's female alter ego. She shows up at her house and is like, you know, can I can I hang out? Like, can we talk? Because she's having trouble and she's, you know, she's upset about her parents or whatever. And um, and then she hugs her and she's like, oh, you're always so easy to talk to. Um, and then she says, like, she asks if they can go to the movies sometime. And it feels like very date like. And I'm just like, huh? So I definitely yeah. have to watch this because it's giving me. um She's the man yes. vibes. Yes. Amanda Bynes, Channing Tatum. Uh-huh. Yep. Where there's all Literally. these moments where Channing Tatum is definitely falling for Amanda Bynes yes. as a dude. As a man. Yep. No, yeah. it's total like gender flip. She's the man vibes. Me. Big yeah. Time. Big time. Well, big really, time. she's the man is derivative then. But, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but they're both del- credit derivative of, uh, of Shakespeare. Of just right? one of the guy- of, and just one of the guys. And just one of the guys. Who um, also uh, gay origins? On the list. <laughs> gay origins. Big time hashtag gay origins. Even though her performance is so ridiculous and hilarious in that movie, because <laughs> her her version of like what a man looks like and acts like is really funny. Before we before we wrap up our our Jonathan Brandis, so we need to. Can you synopsize Fall into Darkness, or just talk about it more? Because um, I don't remember. I will. One. I will not. Tell you my own synopsis. I will read the synopsis that Turner Classic Movies gave this film, um, which, by the way, was pretty impressive to me. That TCM yeah, why is it on had. TCM? What? Like the fact that TCM had a synopsis, I was like, wow. And I feel like because of the typical audience of a TCM film, they wrote this bullshit synopsis that like makes it sound trying way to appeal more to like film professors. <laughs> Watch synopsis a young piano virtuoso is that him who's tatiana that's tatiana oh no it's tatiana Uh, falls in with a fast crowd and is framed for murder when the wealthy and wild leader of the group Anne, fakes her own death based on young adult novel by christopher pike the great christopher pike did you rewatch it no okay i want to I, I I just didn't put enough energy into finding it. Oh, no, I did. I like texted you yesterday and I was like, oh, it's on YouTube. I just didn't wind up watching it. Gotcha. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that right after this. You know, what's also on YouTube that I didn't get to watch before this is sidekicks. Ladybug's sidekicks of it all. That's really like the duo of like heart, heartthrob JB vibes, you know? Yeah. Th- those are like the crown, the crown jewels in his heartthrob crown, if you will sidekicks speaking of like wackadoodle movies sidekicks is truly wackadoodle because it's a chuck norris picture 
and he had a very heavy, heavy creative hand in it. So it is basically an ode to Chuck Norris's ego. <laughs> and, um, it's truly insane. But um, but Jonathan Brandis is adorable in it. It's it's very much a knockoff Karate Kid situation. Um, but also the great Danica McKellar, a.k.a. Winnie Cooper from The Wonder Years, is his love interest in it. And granted, she has zero personality because they write her as a love interest. So they don't give her a personality. <laughs> They're basically like, yeah. you exist to reflect back at the at the male lead. Must be hard to be her in life because that was how she was cast. That's literally for her. A very yeah. long time. Yeah. So how do you not internalize that? And you're like, oh, everybody sees me as like a beautiful void. <laughs> you know what I mean? Busy, busy, chill out. Fizzarella. Chill out. Oh, this is a perfect segue. My dog is an asshole. Oh, yeah. It's happening sure. as we speak. <laughs> Before we do that, shall we just like wrap up by saying um, that yeah. we love Jonathan Brandis and we miss him? You were such a big part of my childhood, baby. And given time and what's happened with a lot of our favorite actors, actresses, celebrities from that time, there definitely would have been a resurgence. You know, right. Given given the way our generation is like revived nostalgia like no other. Right. It, it makes me really sad. Yeah. He would have gotten his flowers for sure. He totally would have. And I, I think he really would have gotten there. Um, and I'm just I'm sad he had so many, so many demons. But um, and I also feel like he's gotten lost in the conversation a little bit. You know what I mean? He's not his legacy didn't carry over necessarily to the next generation it has a little bit with the revival of the stephen king's it fandom with the remake like Mm -hmm. everybody has has all the the younger generations discovered him through that but um yeah i still i just feel like we didn't get to see everything that we could have seen from him and that makes me sad but we honor him today and, and we love him and if you're someone who's never seen his stuff like definitely check out all of it Especially Bad Girls from Valley <laughs> Please watch that before we do that episode. <laughs> My dog is an asshole. I hear your dog whining quite a bit. <laughs> exactly. How was, how was, well, actually, should we introduce our dogs? Should we talk about how sure. they came into our lives first? I'm happy to do it. Let's feel really affectionate about them before we tear them down. Rocket Fizz Howard also known as Fizzy, came into my life two and a half years ago on May 4th. And she showed up outside of the middle school. Um, That was part of the network of schools I was running at the time. And my colleagues put her in a a vacant classroom and then when I got to campus, they were like, Miss Howard, Miss Howard, we have a surprise for you. And I was like, okay. And then they take me to this room and Fizzy's just like laying out on the floor. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, like, where'd this dog come from? <laughs> um, I think by the time I got there, they'd already called animal control. Animal, animal control comes on site. They check her out. They estimate her age to be about five months based on um, teeth that were coming in at the time. They were all ready to load her up and take her off to wherever they take dogs when animal control comes to get them. And so I was like, oh, can I get her tracking number? Because if she's not picked up, you know, 
in whatever window of time you keep her for like i love you know i want to take her and they were just like looked at me dead in the eye and they were like if you want to keep her you should just take her right now and i was like okay <laughs> um and so she wasn't chipped so they only they would have only kept her for four days instead of seven and then I guess maybe they would have put her down. Like, that's just, like, scary and horrible. So I was like, okay, I'll take her. Um, and so then they went, they took me out to the van. They, like, threw, they, like, threw, they were, like, literally throwing shit at me. They were like, here's this, like, ordinance <laughs> about, like, heat and how you can't take the dog out if it's, like, if it's, like, over 95 degrees Fahrenheit. And, like, here's, like, an orange, you know, simple, like, leash and so then she was mine. And I was like, holy shit. Um, and so I took her to Petco that night where like the Petco that was near my school had like the vet, it was like VIP pet care was like on site that day. So I got all of her shots and I got her chipped and got a crate and then she was mine. <laughs> and she was a terror. She was a terror for like close to a year. Like chewed everything in my apartment, scratched the walls, scratched at the doors damaged everything like literally like when they talk about like sleep training babies like she would scream blue bloody murder every night um <laughs> like uh until she cried until she cried herself out from exhaustion and then would finally fall asleep just because yeah. we were like apart like if i like if i was in a different room than she was like she would cry herself to sleep it was pretty sad Mm-hmm. Um, but then we moved to St. Louis and she's really liked, I think, the move here. She's, we've been here now a little over a year. She has a huge dog park to play in every day. She has dog friends in the dog park in my building. She now sleeps in her crate throughout the night and is like relatively, you know, well, not even relatively. She's like absolutely fine. And um, yeah. Oh, and I finally got her trained in quarantine because like being with her this long, I was like, oh, like. I've been avoiding this because I saw you mornings and evenings as someone who worked and had a demanding job. But now being next to you 24-7, we got to fix you because <laughs> you're hella annoying. Um, and so now she's relatively trained and we are coexisting as like roomies now. That's and how has, how has Fizzarella been an asshole recently? Well, um, I think I maybe, maybe already told you this offline, but like, I bought for the first time since I was a kid. I bought a heating pad. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, for my for my crampy McCrampies, and mm. she chewed it. She chewed the wire, like she chewed the electrical part. This after not really destroying anything in in over a year. Yeah, if not more. She just like went ham on this fucking heating pad, so I had to throw, I had to throw it out. Today, she's usually a very clean pooper, but today she came back upstairs with a little bit of poop still on her butt. Ugh, the worst. So I had to like, so I had to like clean her ass. That the was worst. Um, I'm glad I she. Didn't, I'm glad she. I'm glad she didn't try to clean it herself though, because that would have been disgusting. Yeah, because for sure she would have licked her ass and then been like, "Let me lick you." Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, my I have a I have a poodle terrier mix um, who has poodle fur, so she gets all sorts of shit stuck in her fur all the time, including shit. Um, like if it's snow, if there's snow on the ground, she'll get like little chunks of snow like trapped in her fur um, because it's like tight little curls, you know, and it just like gathers stuff. Um, so I have to like pull little chunks of snow like out of her fur when we come back. 
Um, but the the poop the poopy butt situation is always a fucking situation. Um, I am sadly like on the opposite end of the spectrum there. So like I'm staying with my parents right now, and uh, so my dog Rosie, very quickly, is a rescue. Uh, she was found on the side of the road in Arkansas, um, mm. and she was definitely um not being cared for for several months because her hair had her fur had grown out really long and was really matted. Um. And I, just because I know what a scrappy little fucker she is, I'm sure she was living on the street for, like, several months and just, like, subsisting on garbage. And she loves to eat garbage. Like, she she still loves to just pick anything up off the street. She's just like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, gourmet. So I got her in Boston. She's 10 pounds. <laughs> she was 9 pounds when I first got her. Actually, I think she was, like, 8.9 pounds. <laughs> but uh, she's not... Thankfully, she's not destructive with things like that's never been her impulse, but her impulse is to scream like an ambulance siren. Um, And it is the most ungodly sound on the face of the earth. Like when I first got her, her foster said to me, you know, she has really bad separation anxiety. And sometimes when I leave, she will scream. And I didn't I've known a lot of dogs and I didn't think she meant like actually scream. I thought she meant like howl or whatever. And then the night that I got Rosie, I ordered takeout and the takeout arrived and I walked downstairs to go out on the front porch to get the takeout. And then I literally heard a very a piercing scream like an ambulance siren or a human baby scream. <laughs> and I turned around and saw and looked up the stairs and saw that Rosie's mouth was wide open. And I was like, that sound is coming out of this dog. What <laughs> the fuck is happening? Um, so and I, I worked very hard to get her to stop reacting that way when I leave. And we got to a point where I was able to leave for several hours and she wouldn't do it. And she was calm and. I did that several times a week, but since we've been in quarantine, I've been home all the time. So she's basically unlearned all of that and gotten used to me being here all the fucking time. And there, there really is no way (laughs) for me to, for me to retrain her in that department until like, I'm able to safely be somewhere else for several hours a day. Um, which is truly unfortunate, but I ain't going nowhere. So it rarely happens anyway. You know, yeah. Um, but she she also has started screaming when she's excited, which is really funny. And sometimes when I walk her and she really wants to play with another dog who's like several yards away um, and we're going in different directions or it doesn't happen, she'll start whining. And then she gets upset that we're not going over to say hi to the other dog. So she will literally turn around, look me right in the face and start screaming. <laughs> and then every and then everybody around turns around and looks because it's so loud. And they look at me because they think that I'm like hurting my dog. A bad just, mother, yeah. I'm like, just, oh, and I'm mother. not doing anything. She's just looking at me and screaming, and I'm just like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah. So she's she's an asshole for sure. There you have it, folks. Our dogs are assholes. <laughs> They're assholes, but we love them. We're we're off next week for the holiday, right? We are. And we then are. Uh, and then we come back on twelve six. Correct. For Ghost Rider. Word. Word. <laughs> we don't know where he came from. He just showed he up, just one showed up one night. 
I have so many things to say about Jamal and Lenny and Gabby and and Alejandro. Alejandro. They always wanted to make sure everyone knew his name was Alejandro. And the Gabby actor switch. Yeah, that was cold. I'm that partial, was so I'm partial, cold. I'm partial OG Gabby. Same Z's. Same Z's. People. What is this? No. Fresh Prince? We don't do that. <laughs> we should do an ep on the Fresh Prince reunion, by oh the way. God, I haven't we watched should it invite- yet. No, no, no. Exactly. 40 years later, 30 years later, they finally like hashed everything out. Like, I know. Old, old, Viv, old Viv met New Viv for the first time ever. Bananas. Truly bananas so what because we, I didn't think that we, Janet Hubert would ever like let that shit go. What if we facilitated an introduction between old Gabby and new Gabby and they're able to also make the peace? I mean, <laughs> that would be epic. If we can right? track those two down, let's try to track them down. Yeah. Genuinely. I know. I we know. got two weeks. We got two weeks, boo-boo. <laughs> Let's do it. We can, def- we can definitely get Hector. Oh my God. We have to have a whole segment about like the writing in the Ghostwriter notebook. Um, yes. Those were my favorite scenes because yes. the penmanship was always. Penmanship immaculate. was on point. But it yeah. also took a thousand years. That's why it was so good. <laughs> it was like, I'm going to take five hours to write. To the write down D. suspects. <laughs> <laughs> and by suspects, I don't mean a list of suspects, I mean the word suspects. <laughs> Will take exactly. five hours. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, guys. More next time. Enjoy turkey Bye. if you eat turkey. Bye bye. Gobble gobble. Turkey turkey. <laughs> stuffing stuffing. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Bad.